Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. James and Needville, how can I help you today? Hi, Jim. Good afternoon. My wife and I are uh, purchasing a home in, in Canyon Lake area, and this house has a septic system. Now, any home we ever owned before has had a uh, city sewer. And the septic system is, I guess, the older kind. It's not the kind with the field. So what kind of maintenance does this require, and what should I be looking for? Well, the first thing I will tell you is start setting money aside because when this system goes out, you're going to end up making the switch to aerobics. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the old septic systems. You will want to make sure to put something in it every month, like RIDX or something like that, to keep the, the microbes active in the septic fields to keep everything broke down. Okay. Um, the other thing that you don't do in the house is use a bunch of chemicals that kill the microbes. So all these antibacterial uh, soaps and all that stuff, I know the, the government is stepping in and telling us we can't use all that stuff anymore anyways, but even for your household cleaners and stuff, you want to avoid putting that stuff down the sink. Okay. Uh, you want to, you can forget about having a garbage disposal. All right. Uh, <laughs> so it, it is a little bit different lifestyle, and a, and here's the big one. You will learn to take showers faster than you do when you got a city sewer system because it, when you start running too much water in that thing and that uh, fills up, it becomes a real stinky problem quick. Wow. So is there an alarm system that tells you when this is getting full? Oh, no. The alarm system will be when your wife starts screaming because it's coming up in the bathtub where she's taking a shower. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, I have a septic in my house. It's not a big deal. With that, let's jump straight back into the calls. In fact, talking about going out of town, we're going to head to Austin, Texas. Cody, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Wonderful. How about you? I'm doing great. Hey, I got a quick question. Uh, I just got a... A quote um, done to get uh, the spray, the spray-in radiant barrier, yeah. and install a a 12 watt solar panel fan for uh, I guess ventilation. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? And it was a little under two thousand dollars. Must so be a I'm small house. So trying to figure house. out what the payoff is for this. How big a house is it? Uh, it's roughly 1,400, 1,400 okay. 1, square foot. Yeah, I, I was thinking it couldn't it couldn't be real big because that's a pretty reasonable price. I will tell you the uh, the solar fan itself. Right. Just to have one of those installed, it's not unusual for it to be around twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, I think yeah, it was a quote of like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, like nine so, ninety-five, and then they said you get three or thirty or some kind of rebate, federal rebate. So yep. you get some of that money back. So, price-wise, I think you're fine. Make sure on the fan though that you got plenty of soffit vents because the fan does no good if there's not soffit vents to allow the air to come into the home. Okay. And, yeah. Cause that's what I have two, and that's what he also mentioned. Cause I have two. What do they call them? Worded birds or twirly birds? Uh -huh. I guess type deals. 
and he was also saying that would kind of be a plus for it. No. For that type of fan to work. Nope. You can't have the whirly birds and the fan will work against each other. Because oh, when that okay. fan kicks on, it'll draw air in through those whirly birds instead of through the soffits. You ha you have to choose which type of exit you're going to use, whether it's going to be the whirly birds or the fan. And I'm not okay. a fan of the of the whirly birds to begin with. You, okay, you'll do so much better you, with with those uh, um, with that solar fan. Okay, so if to keep those up there, I guess can they just um, put a plate or something over those? Yeah, you can just you can just leave yeah, them you can just there, cover right? it underneath. Okay, okay. Now, so, as far as the soffit vents, now typically builders have an opening like every 15 or 20 feet. Mm-hmm. Cut those down to no more than four or five feet. Okay. So that you got lots of holes drilled. And, and it's easy to do. If you get a hole saw, take like a six-inch hole saw, you drill mm -hmm. two holes up in there, and you have one of those uh, plate covers that you just screw into the soffit material to cover the holes. Okay, okay. And that, so yeah, it's, okay. It's real easy. On the radiant on barrier. That, oh, go on ahead. on top of that, they were going to spray another six inches of insulation you know, I guess on the attic floor, because they're going to be walking on it and compressing. They said they're going to do that for free. Okay. How much insulation do you have now, and what is it? Uh, I forget what it is, but they're saying I was, um, it could use a little more. He said right now it's fine, but I could okay. definitely use a little more. He didn't, I didn't, he didn't give me an exact amount, but he said that it's a free six inches they'll give you. Okay. After they do the spray and barrier. I just didn't know about the radiant barrier, if, if that's a good um, investment. Radiant barriers are a very good investment. Uh, what they do is they block the radiant heat from coming into the attic, allowing right. your insulation to do their job better. Spray-in radiant barriers typically will block about 65% of the radiant heat from coming in. A foil-type barrier will typically block 95%. So it's not as efficient as the foil, but it's usually less expensive to install than the foil is. Uh, okay, okay. And as far as the insulation in the attic, typically you're looking for around 15 inches or so. And so, yeah, I, okay, you know, okay. anything that beyond that is really going to become a waste. It, it doesn't do anything, especially after you put that radiant barrier in. Uh, and the fan, I'm guessing, on top of that, too. Yeah, so I think you're doing great. You'll be just fine with, with all the stuff you're talking about doing. Cost-wise, okay. okay. that, that sounds very reasonable. Okay, because it made me a little nervous because they knocked off 200 bucks if we do it within the next hour or so. Because they would have had a one appointment closed, and yeah. they're just kind of filling today. And they said, well, if y'all take this appointment, then we'll knock it down. You know, when I get that, I get kind of nervous. I, you know, so. that just chaps me when contractors do that. Guys, I mean, I, and I understand, I have, I have times where I need to get work for my guys as well. I mean, you want to keep right. your crews busy, but... Right. Come on, you don't you don't go out and say you got one hour. I mean, you say, okay, look, think about it. Get back to me by Tuesday or something. You know, give right. people a reasonable amount of time. Right. I hate high pressure sales like that, well, yeah, but their well, cost and, and does sound reasonable. Yeah, and they're they're actually working through Home Depot. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I got kind of a security blanket on that. If anything does, you know, go south. Yeah. So, um, okay. So that's that's. I figured it was good. I just wanted to double check. You know, okay. with an expert like yourself and, and kind of get your input on it and see, you know, if that's a green light or, eh, I'd think twice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will tell you, when you work through places like the box stores, Home Depot, Lowe's, mm -hmm. places like that, 
the markup that the contractors have to charge because they have to pay the box store for those leads is about twenty oh, okay. percent. Okay. Okay. I didn't even think about that. So I might be able to get another bid. You might from... get a quote for quite a bit less uh, by dealing direct with a, a regular contractor that right, regular does contractor. this. Right. Okay. Well, hey, Jim, I greatly appreciate your input, and um, I hope you have a great weekend. You as well. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, you know, for, for this kind of stuff that we're talking about, if you're in the Houston area, and you need a contractor to come out and do insulation and, and uh, things like that, call USA Insulation. Uh, I just got through checking these guys out. They do a great job, very reasonable price. Their number, 832-485-7872. So, uh, you know, by all means, call them for all your insulation. And, again, one of the things I really like is the fact that if you're wanting to retrofit your walls with insulation, with the foam insulation, they don't have to blow the walls out. They got a way to inject it in there without having to destroy the walls to put it in. So, you know, check them out. USAinsulation.net. We're going to talk with Carol. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. I have a 40-year-old-plus home, and I have the old federal electric panel. And I keep reading that we need to replace those. Is there a recommendation you have as far as the type? It's, it's about a 2,300 square foot home. No, I really don't have a particular brand that I would recommend uh, over another. Um, there's, a, you know, there's, there's several of them out there right now, but it's really going to be the preference of the electrician that you hire. Oh, uh, okay. Because a, a lot of times those guys have different boxes that they prefer to work with okay and so i would i would let them kind of steer you in that direction uh i will give you somebody that you could call for it is dempsey electric okay at 713-691-6456 okay do you have any rough idea but it runs to replace one of these Yeah, it's expensive. Um, typically, you're looking at anywhere from, and, and it's going to depend on what they got to do to put it in okay. and, you know, w what size p panel you have, uh, you know, whether it's a 100, 150, 200 amp, such as that, things like that, and how many breakers. But you're typically going to be anywhere from $2,200 to up as high as 5000 if you got a really large one. And what would determine how large a one you need? How would you know what you need? It's just the, the sheer number of breakers and the size power source you got coming in. When you open up the breaker box right now, right. Right. you should be able to look at the main breaker. Uh -huh. And it'll, it'll either have 100 on it or 150 or 200, and that tells you what size service you have coming in. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So they would replace it with the same type. It would, if I have 100 now, it would be 100 would be the replacement box. Yeah, and, what, and typically okay. what they're going to ask you is, okay, do you, is this, you have enough with what you've got, or would you like to bring a larger service in? And and I'm gonna tell you, if you have a hundred amp service right. in t today's environment, you'll probably want to up it in size a little bit because 
you know, how old the house is it? It's about 45 years old. Yeah, and see, we didn't have all the computers in the house. We didn't have the big screen TVs. Right. We had smaller air con or, uh, refrigerators, things like that, that we just keep adding more and more electric to our houses. So nowadays, a lot of houses are built with 200-amp services. Okay. So I'll probably want to go up from what I've got in here. and then If, if you're with 100-amp, yeah, you're probably going to want to okay. up it. Okay. And then just... Uh, as long as you're using a good electrician, it's going to be basically the one that he likes to install. Is that yep. basically the deal? That That's okay. it, because they're all going to meet the codes anyways. Okay. All right. So it's, I, I just didn't want someone to give me a quote on a bottom-end box, and it maybe doesn't last. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, with, with Dempsey, that you won't get that. Okay. Well, I'll give him a call. Thank you very much. appreciate your help. You bet. You take care, and good luck with that, Carol. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, let's talk with Mark. This is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, the dishwasher hooks into the garbage disposal. Yep. And when it first starts up, you can smell sewer gas coming out of the sink. Okay. For a few, for a few minutes. That's uh, anything we can do about that? Usually... It's going to be that there's some debris hung up in the garbage disposal itself. Hmm. Have you? Okay. There, there's two things that normally you can try to, to clear that up. One is to run some ice through it. Okay. And some lemon. Okay. Or orange, or orange peel, something along that line. And that, that usually will help clear those teeth up and clean it up. Most of the time, that's what it is. Okay. Well, I'm thinking of some kind of uh, gas, maybe a... P-trap's not working or something? Nah, P-trap's probably fine. It's usually just that stuff got hung up and it's deteriorating in those corners in the teeth there, and right. that's what causes it. Okay. I'll okay. give that a try. All righty. Take care. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. Bill and Bonham, how can I help you today? Hey, Jim. Uh, listen, I'm going to ask you my question, and then I'm going to hang up and listen to your answer. Uh, my son and his wife are in the process of building a new house right now. And the exterior of it is going to be party board. And I've been hearing uh, a lot about this paint process called new spray. What yeah. I'd like to hear from you is a comparison cost-wise to traditional painting and if uh, that uh, process holds up like they say it does. I'll hang up now and listen to your answer. Okay. New spray is a product very similar to Rhino Shield. It's a ceramic-based coating that goes on the walls, and the ceramic is what gives it its longevity. Uh, the ceramic not only is a is, you know is mixed into the coating to give it its strength, but it also acts as a radiant barrier to reflect the heat from going into the building product. So, in that sense, they're both very strong, very durable. Uh, the cost factor of them, it is going to cost more than traditional paint. But like in the Rhino Shield line, it comes with a 25-year warranty. Uh, it's going to last much longer than that, but that's, that's the warranty itself on the product. So uh, is, is it a very durable product? Absolutely. They're, they're going to last very well. And, and the way these products go on, 
you know, traditional house paint, if you're getting your house repainted or building new construction. New construction, they're going to come in, typically primer the walls, and then put two coats of paint on. When you're using these ceramic-based coatings, what they do is they come in and, and it goes in a multi-layer system. There's a first coat to seal everything, a second coat to give it a good base, and then the color coat that goes on. And so that it, it is a, an extremely durable product. Now, you'll hear a lot of times um, the thickness of it and things like that. We're talking about coatings and paints and things like that that are extremely thin to begin with. So sometimes people get a, a little concerned, oh, it's going to be so thick it takes away my wood grain or something like that. Not, not an issue at all. You don't have to worry about that at all. Uh, but... In, they are, both products are good products. They'll both get you what you want to do. Both products are going to cost more than traditional house paint. And as far as traditional house paints go, though, it also is going to depend on how high grade of paint you use. In other words, they got some paints that start as little as you know $12, $15 a gallon. It's junk. You're going to put it on and you're going to repaint again in two or three years. And you get other paints that are $40 a gallon. And that's going to last for many, many years. But these ceramic coatings will typically outdo regular paints three to one, even on the high-grade paints. So granted, you may pay again a little bit more than, than that high-end paint. But it's going to, you know, if you're going to keep the place, it's well worth the investment. Bobby, welcome to WBAP. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. So a few questions about pier and beam foundations. Um, my wife and I just bought a house in East Dallas that was built in 1926, um, about 2,200 square feet. And we bought the house um, knowing that we would need to do some more foundation work merely uh -huh. because of the fact that when they did our inspection, and um, we had two different foundation people come out, and both of them could not get into the crawl space. That's not so, good. <laughs> well, that's kind of my first question was, if that's the case, is that kind of an immediate thing that needs to be done? No. In order to clean that out? or uh, Why couldn't they get in there? So when they... There's two entry points, and I don't know if they saw the second one, but I would assume that they would have, you know, expected at least multiple. Um, but when they crawled in, they were not able to get very far. So basically they would get down in there and say, I can't move, so I'm not going to look all the way through it. Okay, because so, uh, the soil is just, it's just too low onto the soil. Right. Yeah, okay. Um, well, there is two ways of handling that. I mean, one is to raise the whole structure up and get it off the soils. But if you're dealing with a pier and beam, you got that perimeter concrete beam. That has to be underpinned and everything lifted with that. If it's a block and base where you don't have the perimeter concrete beam, it's, it's a lot easier to lift it. Uh, or less expensive, I shouldn't say easier to lift it. The other is to go in and start removing soil and drop the soil down. But when you do that, when it rains you'll have a, a swimming pool under the house. So then you got to have pumps underneath there to keep it dried out and all that stuff. So quite honestly, unless you're having other issues with the foundation, access alone 
would not be a reason to do anything. Okay. Um, so if you don't mind that, things a couple more questions. Oh, absolutely. Um, Keep going. So with that in mind, when we walked through the house, in all honesty, I mean, you can you can see, I've never lived in a pier and beam before, but I would expect that there, you know, there's a little bit of movement. Um, some of, like, if you walk into our, our bedroom, there's a little bit of a raised um, or a, an increase or an incline, I'm sorry, into uh-huh. the room, but it's, it's marginal. Um, so there's nothing really that's, you know, just staring at me in terms of, you know, there's a problem, but I, I obviously have no experience in that, so I don't sure. want to assume and then be totally wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, does it bother you? The incline? Yeah. No. Then don't worry about it. One, th- <laughs> one, one great thing on the, on these old homes. I grew up in a house built in 1926, so, and I and I own a foundation company. If it's not bothering you, don't worry about it because the house will not fall down. Bobby, I'm gonna put you on hold. I'll be right back. But just kind of getting back to the foundation. Your last question was, did it bother me with an incline? So no. Yeah. And you also mentioned that you grew up in a pier and beam home. Yep. Um, so I guess, I guess I'm trying to, one, if you could help me just better understand what are the signs that I, you know, it would be that I would need to fix the foundation. And okay. maybe what are some things that are just expected when it comes to these things? Well, a, just like a slab foundation, a pier and beam home is going to move up and down with the moisture changes in the soil. When the soils dry out, they shrink. When they get wet, they expand again. And different areas of the home as the soils dry out and get wet are, are going to have different moisture levels in the soils. And that's where you start getting that, what they call differential movement. One spot's higher than the other spot. Mm-hmm. Especially in a, a block and base and pier and beam, you've got the piers through the middle of the house that are, are usually somewhat protected. And then you got the outer edges, which are exposed to the elements. In other words, the rain and the sun. And so they move at different rates. And when you get to the, especially on a block and base pier and beam, when you, you get moisture underneath, you'll sometimes get one of those piers that will push up. So you got a hump like in the middle of the room. It's mm-hmm. time to address it. Uh, and typically, the, the, the nice part on block and base pier and beam homes, they are not usually expensive to work on. Okay. Uh, where a slab foundation repair starts at $2,000 and the average job is like 8500 on a pier and beam home it still typically is going to start around 1800 but the average job is typically only like $3,000 okay they're they're usually inexpensive to work on one one key factor is don't let it get so far out of whack that the wood is all warped where it's you know you got to make multiple repairs on it or replace wood in order to to get it back you know into a good shape uh but in general most people don't even feel that something's out of level until it hits at least an inch and a half out of level and okay. if it gets to the point where it's bothering you you're usually at two to three inches that's really when it's time to address it now annette you've been waiting for a while how can i help you today Thank you for taking my call, Jim. I have a question about stucco. About uh-huh. 10 years, we built a house outside of Granbury. So we're about 100 miles from everybody, it seems. 
walked out my back door today, looked to my left, and it looks like the stucco is pulling off of the house. Any help, please? Can I now, do it, it myself, or do I have to find somebody to come in? Uh, you're typically going to have to find somebody to come in. Okay. Uh, for stucco. Now, is it truly stucco, or is it an ephus? And I you, can't tell you, you at that. I understood when the guy put it on, it was stucco. It looks to be about three inches thick, and there's a foam behind it, and then the stucco covering it is what I was told. Okay, the stucco that's covering the foam, is it, is it real thin? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, that's and what the key factor was when you said foam, uh, that's typically an ephus board. Okay. And, and uh, you can go up and knock on it, and it sounds kind of hollow. And, uh, uh, versus when you on a stucco, when you knock on it, it feels like solid concrete. Okay, so, I've never really hit on it, but uh, yeah. I thought it spelled solid. But okay, say it is. And what? How do you spell ephus? What is that? Oh man, you're gonna get me into. I failed that's spelling. Okay. You know, <laughs> that's why I'm a contractor. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. It, uh, it's actually, I believe, it's e f f i s, if I'm not mistaken. But I very well could be wrong. It could be e p h i s. It's one or okay. the other. I'll Google both. And uh, okay, you said okay, you said it's coming loose. What what by that? What do you mean? What does it do? Well, when uh, on the framing of the outdoor, it's bulging out. And when I looked at it, you know, touched it to look, I mean, I can probably see down past the window. So I'm looking at a spot that's probably it's an eight foot tall, but uh-huh. probably widthwise, excuse me, ten foot tall and widthwise about eight foot. Looks like it's loose. There's a bow in it. It hasn't broken or anything. It's just pulling away from the structure. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to get somebody out to take a look at that. There's okay. been a lot of problems with, if it is EFIS, there's been a lot of problems with EFIS. Uh, in that moisture gets behind it, it starts the wood to rot behind it, and then, okay. and then sections will give loose. Okay. I at least we built a house out of metal, so there's no wood in it. Oh, you're so lucky then. You're very yeah. We yeah. did it all on wood. And okay. if you built it so, out of metal, I will tell you, you what you have is EFIS then, because that's a common commercial type product where they use the aluminum studs and use the EFIS to coat it then. Trey, do you know anybody that comes out this far? I'm like 100 to 150 miles from the Metroplex. Oh. Well, from Fort Worth, I would say about a 45 miles. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I don't know anybody in the in the business that does even the EFIS work. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I hope Google helps them too. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for your patience and help with me. I appreciate it. Annette, you take care and good luck with that. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 